Yeah. Thank you. See, that's why they're in the front row. They're like, they got it, all right? Y'all in the back are like, I know. I just didn't want to say. I wanted to let somebody else try. Last week was like the umbrella over this whole series, and it's where Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And effectively, what we said in the illustration we used is God's love in our life should be a highway not a cul-de-sac. So if God's love in your life is a cul-de-sac, that means it just stops with you and, you know, goes right back to God, and it stops with you and goes right back to God. Like, he wants it to be a highway where we receive God's love and and God's love for us and our understanding and acceptance and appreciation for God's love for us flows into other people. And he's saying, that's why you should love other people as I have loved you. And so today we're going to open up God's Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And so last week it kind of centered around like Jesus is our example of love. And so I want you to kind of look at this passage and kind of look for places where Christ is our example. So Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be here on the screens for you. It's a lot of text for one screen, but squint or get out your glasses. So we're going to read this, and then we're going to break it down. So it says this, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance to Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. Um, God, through these next weeks and months, help us learn these one another passages, Lord, so we could operate as a church um, effectively, with love, with compassion, and help us understand what your word is saying here, Lord. Um, and I pray that during this message, God, only, is said, only things are said what you want said, and the things that aren't, Lord, you filter out. And I pray that your Holy Spirit is just preparing our hearts to receive your word. And we just thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So, did you catch what this week's One Another Passages is? Did you guys catch it? What is it? Shout it out. What? Arming one another? Harmony. Okay, I was going to say arming one another. That's like... (laughs) Everybody get out your shotgun. Uh, close. That's kind of the principle. But what was the one another passage at the very end of this verse? Accept one another. Yes, if it depends on your translation. Uh, welcome one another is this week's verse. Like, welcome one another. Um, so depending on your translation, if you, whatever your translation is, um, you, it says three different things. It's, it's translated in three different ways. So I'm going to show you this. In the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, the NIV, which is the New International Version, and the KGV, we're going to go really old school with the KGV too. But um, I think I have these three verses up here. 
Um, and so the ESV says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, the NIV says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praises to God. And in the KGV, going real old school, and all the KG lovers out there said, no, I was going to say amen, but okay. We don't preach out of the KGV a lot, but sometimes it brings good light to some things. Um, it says, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So you see really three different words for this one word, welcome. And so if I said just in one point to the church, like, hey, we need to welcome one another, you know, that might, that might just give like a tiny piece to what the word of God is saying here. Does that make sense? And also, like Don said, you got to look at the whole context of what this verse is saying, too. Because the goal is, like, to live within harmony of one another. Um, and so, depending on your translation, it's either welcome, accept, or receive one another. Welcome, accept. So we're called to welcome each other. Thank you. Somebody's there. It's good. Um, but I want to say, first of all, like, what this does not mean. And when we say, like, welcome one another— this is not saying that, like, we just need um, to be more welcoming as a church. You know, I gave that sermon on July 9th. You could go back to our podcast or our YouTube channel. It's called Talk to Strangers. And that was all about, like, hospitality. Like, hey, we need to be super welcoming as a church. And we need to be welcoming. Um, um, that would be such an easy thing to do. And that is an easy thing to do. And I feel like we received that message well, and we've increased our welcome and our hospitality. And we are, I would say, a pretty welcoming church. Um, and that's not really what welcome one another here is saying, okay? And that's really easy if I was just saying, like, hey, I want you to smile more at people and say hi when they come to church on Sundays. And then, you know, go say hi to people in the lobby and then go back to your pew and, and you know, and think, hey, I did my job for the day. I said hi, I said welcome, and that is good. And I don't believe that's what this is saying. We should be doing that. But today is so much bigger than that. Like this welcome here is like a hundred times greater than just being friendly to somebody on Sunday morning. Okay? That's what the picture we want to get here. And so um, it's so much more bigger than that. It's about receiving others into your lives. That's why the, there's three passages. It's, it's welcome, accept, receive. And I really like the old school KGV, it's like it's receiving somebody in your lives. And like think back to what Beth said for every 12th lady's house we're going to go help. She is opening up her home to orphans with special needs. Like that's, it's, it's opening up your life to other people, opening up your home to other people. And I think this welcome one another, a lot of it, you know, I might bring up in our home because the home is like, it's one of the translation it is, because when we open up our homes, it's like a whole different ballgame, right? When you let somebody into your house, like, that's like the real deal, right? Like, you're letting, like, our home is our sanctuaries, right? It's like our personal space. And so it's, it's like, think about that, like, welcoming people into your lives, receiving people into your home, welcoming people into your missional communities. And yes, as a church on Sundays, we need to welcome us, but we need to do this as Christ welcomes you. So I want to break this word down. So if you guys know, the Bible is written in three different languages, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. 
all right? So it's written in three different languages. And so the predominant one that Romans is written in is Greek. And so the Greek word of welcome here is proslambano. Can everybody say proslambano? All right, so he wrote them to proslambano one another. It wasn't welcome, it wasn't receive, it wasn't accept, but we tried to translate it in the best thing we knew how. And it translates like welcome. Like welcome, welcome. Receive, receive, receive. Um, and so if you look up that Greek word and what it means in the Greek, it means to receive, and very literally, the most literal way that we could say this is to take to oneself. To take to oneself. And if you see this word in other places, it, it's used as like to take. Like, I'm going to take. And if you see it in other places, it kind of literally means like to take as a companion. Or I'm going to take you in as like, a, like I'm going to welcome you in as a companion. Um, that's one of the ways it could be. But to take to oneself. And really a special interest on the part of the receiver. So the receiver is really getting special interest to like, hey, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to love you. It suggests to welcome, um, to take as one's companion. Um, there is a romantic, like a husband taking a wife, is like taking, like I'm receiving you. Um, to welcome into one's home, this word could be very well translated as to, to take into one's home. And to receive, to receive. Um, and there's one translation that brought up in a couple times that I've looked in this Greek word and broke it down. It is this. To grant one access to one's heart. So when we're called to welcome one another, and what I'm telling you guys today and telling all of us, is we need to grant access to other people into our hearts. And that's very, very, very hard to do. It's a lot more deeper than just saying hi and, hey, welcome to J-Road and, you know, hope to see you around. Because that isn't welcoming people into our hearts. It's very good, and you should have a big smile on your face, and you should do it, but it's not opening your heart to somebody, okay? Uh, raise your hand if you don't allow anyone to get too close to your heart. I could say that with me a little bit at times. The rest of y'all are liars, actually. No, I allow anybody. No, no. I would say for all of us, it is such a risk to open up our hearts to other people. It's a big risk. Why? Why is it a risk? Yeah, it's counterintuitive self-preservation. Why? Hurt? What? Yes. If you open up your heart to somebody, you can get hurt by that person. Right? You can be betrayed by somebody. And there's some people here saying, I know I'm never going to get betrayed because I'm never letting anybody get that close to me anymore. Right? If we open up our hearts to other people, we are making ourselves vulnerable to being hurt. Maybe some of you are in here and you've opened up your heart to somebody, you've opened up your home to somebody, and you've been hurt by them. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. I have these two friends over here. They're in my life, and I'm going to welcome up them into my life, and that's it, because I'm not getting hurt again. Shoot, that's, you know, we, could, we, could, we know that. I mean, if you're thinking that, I just want to say, um, I've been, we, we, I hear you. And as pastors, and my wife would probably say as pastors' wives, we know that experience all too well, right? 
How many times have we, like, opened up our heart, man, I'm going to invest in this person. And, man, you go to hospital visits, and you sit by their bedside at the hospital, you know, because you got that call late at night, and you love them, you open up your heart to them, and then, you know, then something happens, and then they ghost you. <laughs> it's like, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you in a couple of months. They just ghost you, and they basically booted you out of your life, and you think, man, I invested so much in you, and you kind of just turn your back on me, then you can't help but feel that betrayal that you're talking about. It's like, and this is what you got to go back to, like, hey, I'm doing this for Jesus, you know, like, I'm doing this for the Lord, not for men, like, everything we do. But it's hard not to feel guarded, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've seen pastors get guarded, saying, I'm not going to let anybody else close to my life, y'all could stay arms which reach your way, I'm not going to be an MC. I don't want people to know me because somebody knew me once and they called out something in my life or they, they made a nasty comment about my house and I'm not doing it anymore. And that's not good. That's not good. And I will say, if you open up your heart to people, you will get hurt. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Um, and I don't mean to sound depressing, but when you open up your heart to people, there's going to be a risk. There's always going to be a risk. And that is okay. Um, being in community always carries risk. But what's the alternative? Living alone in isolation? We know that's no good. We know God doesn't want that for us to live outside of community, and that's not good. So there is a risk. And I think God is okay with that. It, because the reward is going to far outweigh the risk. The reward of the beauty of community. And getting through some of the ugliness of two or three, or a group of sinful people that get, get together and they can work through that is, is good. And that's where you said the whole point of this is to live in harmony with one another um, and do it past the risk. But I want to say this. There is a risk. You will get hurt. But we have to bring ourselves back to the end of the verse. Can we go back, um, Bruce or Bridget, to like the very first verse that's like super long? Um, real quick, sorry. Um, uh, the next one, actually, because I think it's broken up in two parts. The very end was like, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Open your hearts to one another as Christ has opened up his heart to you. And Christ is our example. And you think, what, is, what did Christ do for us um, to welcome sinners? What did it require Jesus to do for us to welcome sinners? Is A, Jesus left the glories of heaven to come down to the miseries of earth, to suffer a death that was so unimaginable that words can't describe. So he could love you and be close to you. So he spent 33 years in, like, the miseries of earth, left the glories of heaven, suffered an excruciating death to welcome us into our heart. And so how is welcoming people into your life any different? How can we say, no, we're not going to do that? Like, hey, I've been hurt. You know, somebody offended me one time. It's like, no. You didn't leave the glories of heaven. You didn't leave someplace apart from your true home and, and suffer a death so excruciating because you love somebody so much. Like, Jesus is our ultimate example, and we have to keep bringing ourselves back to that. Is he welcomed us, opened his heart to us, so we must do the same for others. So welcome one another means, um, what does it mean? Um, it, it, ultimately, it's a beautiful picture of how Jesus welcomed us. So I want to break down a little bit about how Jesus welcomed us. The first is, um, welcome has no prejudice, okay? Welcome has absolutely no prejudice. Um, in another way you could translate that proslambano of welcome one another is, 
is acceptance without any prejudice. Acceptance without any prejudice. So a good way to think about it is like, hey, could somebody come and stay at your guest bedroom of your house? Okay, like we have a guest bedroom. And somebody says, hey, could somebody stay at your guest bedroom of your house for a week? If somebody asked me that, I'd have a lot of questions. <laughs> Let me see, is it a man or a woman? Is it a kid or an adult? You know, like I would just have questions, you know. I don't know if I want this person. Are they going to be there during the day? My wife is home a lot during the day. Are they going to be there? Like, that's the big, you know what I mean? Like, I would ask a lot of questions. And acceptance without prejudice is, hey, could somebody come stay at your house for a week? And you're like, yes. I don't, you know, whatever it is, we'll work it out. Yes. Um, now, again, that's a big thing. Um, but that's what you think about. You don't ask any questions about who they are, what they do. It's just you know that they're a child of God. So as Christians, we need to welcome other people into our lives without any prejudice. And so James 2.1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God. In this passage here in James 2.1, it's talking about when somebody comes into your church and they're wealthy, like they're driving a Mercedes, they have a Rolex, they're dressed real nice, you treat them with a lot of honor and show them a lot of respect, and somebody comes in and shambles and that you make them sit in the back, and you don't talk to them because, you know, you don't want to be seen around them. And he's like, that shouldn't be. You should show no partiality. And so there's no prejudice allowed. Jesus' free gift of salvation has absolutely no prejudice. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, if you're rich or you're poor, um, if you are homeless or you're extremely wealthy. Jesus welcomes everyone into a relationship with him without any partiality. If you were born into this earth, you are created in the image of God. Therefore, you have value, and God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. It doesn't matter if you go to the most remote part of India and see somebody lying in the gutter. They have value to God, and he loves them equally as anybody else in the world. It's very important to realize that. And so how can we welcome someone into our home if we look down on them, whether they're poor or they're rich or they're black or they're Hispanic or any other thing? Like, if we look down on somebody for any reason on their outward appearance, how can we say we're being like Jesus? There's no room for judgment among the people of God. Amen? And there's no reason to say, oh, I don't know, like, I don't want to have this person in for any type of reason. Even having prejudice about their sin. I mean, if we're welcoming people in, like, we're going to be into some messy people's lives, and there's going to be sin, and, and that's okay. And it says here in, like, verse 1 of the passage that we went through in the beginning, it says, we who are strong must bear with the failings of the weak. And so as Christians, if you are strong, like, you must bear with the failings of the weak. That means those that are hard to love, those are, that are difficult people, those that are a struggle sometimes, or those that are just, you know, in sin. We who are strong must bear with the failings of the weak, and we must walk alongside of them and love them and welcome them into our hearts as well. When we receive others, we must welcome all people, people that are hard to love, needy, people who have a checkered past, all people. We must be received in the church body, excluding no one. That's the first one. The second is this. Welcome expects nothing in return. And this is really important. Welcome expects nothing in return. When Jesus saved us, 
it was a very lopsided deal. It wasn't like, Jesus, we get all this, like we get eternal life and we get all our sins forgiven, but Jesus gets this, so it's kind of like a win-win. It really wasn't a win-win. It was Jesus had to die so we could have eternal life. And so it was a very lopsided deal. Yes, Jesus loved us. Yes, Jesus wanted a relationship with us. But we brought absolutely nothing to the table. We just bring us. Like as I said, we don't, like Jesus, we don't bring anything to the table when it comes to our salvation. And we are creating the image of God so God loves us and we have value. Um, we were received with our shortcomings as failings as sinners. And Christ died for us because he loved us and we're made in his image. We have what's called intrinsic value. So Jesus calls us to love the least of these. So when it says in the Bible, when Jesus says, when you love the least of these, you love me. When you love the least of these. So think about who you think would be like the least of these. People that in society's eyes has absolutely no value. And really in your life, who would really add no value to your life, Jesus calls to love. And I think in our society, it's a lot about, like this word networking gets thrown a lot, around a lot. Like, like we sometimes get in relationship with people that we feel that we could benefit from. Okay, that's like networking 101, right? Like you get around people, you never know, there might be a job opportunity. If you're in business, you might have a new customer. It could be good for your business. And not even that shallow, you could say, hey, I want to open up my heart to somebody because I really need a friend. Right? Like, I really need a friend, so I'm going to open up my heart to somebody. So you're really going into this and welcoming people so you can receive something out of it. And really, that's not the worst thing ever, but he's saying it here is like you welcome somebody in with absolutely no expectation of anything in return. Right? Like, just to pour out love on somebody else is the goal, Right? Like, just to pour out love, not getting anything in return. If you get a friend out of this, that's a win. If you get somebody, you know, if you get a job out of this, hey, whatever. But that should never be our reason. And I think we, we look into that. I'm expecting absolutely nothing in return. So that's why I welcome you in. And we don't want anybody to think that we welcome them in for any other reason other than because Christ welcomed us, us in. We must welcome people in for their benefit and not for ours. When I talk about welcome people in, I'm not just talking about our homes. I'm talking about the church, our missional communities, and ultimately our lives, right? Like, it could be as simple as if you see somebody at church who's all alone, inviting them out to lunch afterwards. That's a way to welcome somebody in, right? You're opening up your life to get to know somebody. And, you know, that's good. And you think about this. Welcome expects nothing in return. You think about Beth's friend that she talked about that we're going to help on. Is it Nancy Hammond? Nancy Hammond? She lives in Roosevelt Park. She's adopted children with special needs. Like, how many does she have right now? She has five, and she's trying to adopt a blind child or blind woman from Africa. She needs surgery. She's trying to welcome her in. She has five. So this, this Nancy Hammond, if you really, you know, it lives in Roosevelt Park, she's welcoming these children in, with special needs. And they're really, and like, think about it. I don't know the whole situation, but I would say for some of them, they really have no opportunity to give back to her later in life. Like, she's really just giving her whole life to pour into these people, if they have special needs, for no benefit of her own, but simply because they have value in God's eyes, and she wants to devote her life to pouring out into these people, expecting absolutely 
nothing in return. And the only promise she has is that when we go up to heaven, the Bible says that we get rewarded for the things that we've done here on earth. And if that's true, I believe Nancy's probably going to be the richest person in heaven because she devoted her life to welcoming in orphans and people who didn't have a home and people who were the hardest to love. And so, also with that, Jesus' welcome was about restoration. Jesus' welcome was about restoration. In John three seventeen, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God is about restoration. Jesus' welcome was about restoration, not judgment. The first coming of Jesus was about restoration or salvation, not condemnation. So people steeped in sins does not bother Jesus. People covered in sin, people steeped in sin, that feel like if they were to walk into church today, that they, they would just burst into flames. Those people do not bother Jesus. And actually, he came to save them. He came because he loves them and he wants them saved. So it was about restoration, not judgment. And so our welcome is about reconciliation. We've been given what the Bible calls a ministry of reconciliation. So the reason we do all these things, the reason we open up our lives to other people, the reason we open up our hearts to other people, not only in J-Road, but in our communities, is to reconcile people to God, whether it be believers, whether it be unbelievers. We have this ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of what? Yeah, like reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. To an unbelieving world, our job isn't to judge people. Okay, you always hear that, like we're not called to judge and cast judgment, like we're not on the judgment seat right now, so we shouldn't be passing judgment on other people. It's to love and introduce them to the love and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. That's our role. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. Introduce them to Jesus Christ and say, hey, I know you are steeped in sin or you feel like you're steeped in sin and you feel like there's no way out. You feel like there's no victory. You feel like God doesn't love you. And I'm here to tell you that God actually loves you so much he provided a way for you. That you could have freedom in Jesus Christ. And so let me tell you about that. Let me walk you through that. And so we open up ourselves up to people to, so that they can receive that. And so I want to close with the next five minutes to just talk about how does this apply to our missional communities, okay? How does this apply to our missional communities? Because the, the heart behind a lot of this series is, is this is lived out in the church. So when I ask you guys to welcome one another, it starts here on Sundays, but it also starts, it also goes into your workplaces and your, where you live and your neighbors, and it also goes into your missional communities, okay? Um, the, the, the three parts that we say of missional communities are worship, community, and mission. And so in missional communities, that should be the three parts of every missional community. Worship is we study the Bible together. Um, some groups might even sing together, but we study the Bible together. We pray together. The community aspect is we have fun together. So in every missional community, there has to be an aspect of fun and getting to know each other and playing games with each other and laughing and just getting to know each other. If you don't like the people in your missional community, you're doing missional community wrong, <laughs> Right? If you're not excited to see them and, like, y'all need to have more barbecues and play, you know, games, like, for a few nights just to get to know each other a little bit. 
So we study the Bible together, we have fun together, and then we're on mission together. And so part of missional communities are that missional communities are a front door to people to come to church. So if you had to invite people into your life and into J-Road, there's two ways that you could invite them into J-Road. You could invite them here on Sunday morning, or you could invite them into your missional community. And I would say if you're friends with them and they trust you and they've already been to your house, invite them into your missional community. Because in a lot of ways, that's a more accurate expression of what the church looks like. We love each other. We know each other. They're, if they don't go to church at all, they also don't have to get up on their only day off to be, sing songs they don't know around people they've never met. <laughs> and so we've done that too. Like we welcome people into our missional community that have never set foot in church maybe in the last decade, you know. They were taking the saran wrap off their Bible that they just got at Barnes & Nobles. <laughs> and they loved it. And we were sitting there, like, just studying the Bible. We didn't change anything we did. We were sitting there studying the Bible, and we were being friends with each other, and we, I thought, welcomed her into our lives and opened our hearts to her, you know, and shown love to her. But a lot of times in missional communities, like churches that have a missional community format or like small groups, if you guys know this, a lot of times they're like a closed door. In our missional communities, we really want to make an open door so you can invite people into your missional communities. If your missional community is too big where you can't invite anybody else in, it's time to start thinking about multiplying and like forming a second one. Does that make sense? If your missional community is getting way too big and you can't invite anybody else in, it's time to start praying about somebody in that missional community to break off and you guys split into two and do that. Because missional communities have to be able to invite people in. And so a lot of churches who have that format, they're like, we don't want to invite people in to our missional community or we don't want to invite people into our small group. And there's some fears around that, and I'll tell you why. Um, here are some of the fears that I've seen in my past of leading missional communities and small groups. The first is this. Um, the, this person might ruin our chemistry as a group. Okay, that's one of the fears. This person might ruin our chemistry. Hey, we got a good thing going on. We're just starting to talk. Yeah, we, we're just starting to talk and open up. What if this person, what if they ruin our chemistry? Okay, that's one of the fears. And the second is, what if this person's hard to love? What if they're hard to love? Like, what if they got a lot of stuff going on? What if they're hard to love? The third is, what if they gossip about all of us? Like, in our missional community, like, I, you know, people share some private things. What if they gossip about all of us? And the other one I hear sometimes is, what if they dominate the group? What if they talk the whole time and they're like, oh my gosh. Like, these are legitimate fears people have about missional community and small groups, about inviting outsiders in. But I have to tell you, what if our missional community's mindset was not fear of the unknown, but about the mission of Jesus Christ. What if our mindset with all of our missional communities is not fear of the unknown, but about the mission of Jesus Christ? And if our mindset is about the mission of Jesus Christ in our missional communities, then it's okay if somebody gossips about you. If that happens, that's not right. That needs to be addressed with. But if somebody in their sinfulness gossips, because I said my marriage is struggling, but over the next few months they come to Christ, let them gossip about my marriage in trouble. Right? Couldn't me and Nicole be okay with that? <laughs> if it means that they come to Christ? And I'd still say, hey, why'd you tell people that? I told you it was a secret. You know, I'd still say that. But it's like, can't we okay, be okay with being wronged? Can't we be okay with somebody ruining our chemistry? And if we're fear, these are unknown, they're irrational fears. What if you invite somebody in and they make your chemistry way better? 
What if they come in and they change the dynamic of your group to make it good? What if it's like an expression of the church where you start to see people get saved and they start to like want to get baptized and you start to see fruit in your group instead of staleness or stagnation? Our missional communities cannot be about fear of the unknown. They must be about the mission of Jesus. And if they are not about the mission of Jesus, that's where they become inward-focused, selfish-focused, and say, hey, I like my little group. I don't want to invite anybody in. And it's like, that's not, that's, we could say that about church, right? I like y'all, and I don't want anybody to mess it up. So let's just keep it us, and like, let's take our sign down, and let's just meet, you know. God wouldn't want that for us. And, the, and so we need, as our missional communities, to make sure that we are welcoming people in and receiving people in, despite any fear that we must have. Because of all these things, hold this up to what Jesus did for us. He left the glories of heaven. He left his home where he was pain-free to come down live on earth where it was miserable. Here on earth is miserable. I don't know if you know this yet, but if anybody here has any pain or death or disease in their life, like this earth is scarred by sin. Jesus was out of breath at times. He was, you know, he was uh, nailed to the cross. He went through all this stuff so we could have a, he could have a relationship with us. And he's asking that we deal with this. To be inconvenienced to like a little bit now and then, it doesn't even pale in comparison to what Jesus did. And I'm not even asking you guys to go out and adopt foster kids, even though I think that would be beautiful. But I'm saying we need to start by opening our hearts to people and opening our missional communities to people and letting that be the front door to people experiencing the church. I think about the, if you guys have been following what's going on in Ukraine I think you mentioned it, Michelle, this morning, too. Like, do you know in, like, Warsaw, Poland, it's, like, being overwhelmed with refugees? And they have, they have hospitals, they have gymnasiums filled with refugees. And I got to think, if that was our community, and we were just overwhelmed with refugees, how many of us would open up our hearts and open up our homes to saying, hey, you could stay with us, you could stay with us? Because they need a place to stay right now in Poland. And my hope would be, that the Christians there in the church would be the very first people to open up their homes in their hearts to refugees. And if it ever came down to where there's a situation like that where people needed a, a home, would we allow people into our homes? Yes, they might stain our carpets. Yes, they might be a mess. Yes, they might clog your toilet once in a while. But that's what God is asking us to do is open up our hearts and receive people in on small scales and also big scales. Can we do that, church? How can we take our welcome to the next level, opening up our homes, inviting people over to our house, taking people out to dinner, and really just welcoming people into our hearts? So much more than being kind, which we should be. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, show us what it means to be the church where we open up our hearts to people. And we let people get close to us even though we might get hurt. We show our vulnerable self and unguard our hearts for a little bit, God, to let people in. And we sacrifice our insecurities. And so I pray for all our missional community leaders and all our missional community people that are in them, that, God, we just see our missional communities not as like our own little group that we just love so much and we don't want to change, but we see it as a place where God can plant seeds and fruit can grow and, and it could blossom and, and we could invite people in and we could see change and the gospel spreads that way. 
Help us open up our hearts to people, Lord. Help us welcome one another. Help us welcome each other here at J-Road and just love each other well and open up our hearts to other believers here, God. Help us do that well. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...